0: Man, we are, we are a church that values our, our, our diversity, not our adversity, our diversity. Um, and so with February, um, you know, it is Black History Month. One of the things that I wanted to do, uh, Pastor and I wanted to do, is we wanted to, um, I called Aaron. Uh, for those of you that know, Pastor it's uh, kind of been in, uh, in and out. He went to the hospital yesterday, um, and I called Pastor. I said, hey, you know, let's honor one of uh, one of our black brothers, um, and we're in a church where we can do that, amen, and so, man, we, yeah, we we celebrate that, and so, man, I called, pastor called me today, and said, I got a couple ideas, I said, don't worry about it, I already called two people, and, <laughs> and, uh, and um, uh, man, I'm just honored, and uh, I'm not even going to tell you anything spiritual about the guy, because you'll figure that out over the next 30 minutes, but uh, I'm honored, to have Pastor Aaron James from Relevant Life Church um, speak with us. So can we give him a Transformation Church welcome right here in this house?
1: Thank you. All right. Well, it's an honor to share with y'all tonight. Uh, let me just say this. Um, I believe in giving honor to where honor is due. And uh, even though Pastor Dan isn't here, Um, Pastor Dan was uh, a dear friend um, to uh, my spiritual dad, Pastor Lyndall Ballinger, who's with Jesus now. And um, that means something to me. Loyalty is a big deal to me. And um, when my pastor went home to be with Jesus, um, Pastor Dan was someone that um, I just kind of immediately just kind of sought out uh, to look to and uh, I still look to him. I respect him a great deal. And um, man, we are excited about what God is doing in Transformation Church, the growth and just all of those things. I believe that we are to celebrate the victories of our brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. Even folks who don't go to church with us, we should celebrate their victories. And, um, you know, Brad is a, is a true brother. And uh, he's a guy that knows enough about me to destroy me if he wanted to. But he chooses not to, and that's how you know you have a true friend, And uh, everybody should have somebody that knows enough about you that they could destroy you if they chose to. If not, you're not really walking in genuine relationship. <laughs> you're quiet. <laughs> I don't know if I want somebody knowing that much about me. but um, Tonight, I wanna share with you a little bit about unity in the gospel. And so, um, because we're operating on the constraint of time, if you could just turn with me quickly, in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, I'm gonna talk to you a little bit tonight about unity in the gospel and what that looks like. That actually looks like something, amen? And so, let's multitask a little bit as you're turning there in your Bibles Uh, I just kinda wanna set this up a little bit tonight because if you haven't noticed, there is a little tension in our nation. Have you noticed that? Anybody just been like in a cave somewhere? All right, all right, so we've noticed that there is some tension, and, and it seems that the tension is not subsiding, but the tension is continuing to grow, and it's becoming more and more palatable. I mean, if you're paying attention, it's like you could feel it when you're out and about. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Things should be different in the church, and how we respond to that we're gonna walk this out a little bit. So I've got two passages of scripture to share with you. We're gonna pray because I need God's help. And um, we'll see what the Lord does from there. So Ephesians chapter two, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna read verses 11 through 16 or 17, whichever one I told the guys back there. And, and then we're gonna read verses 7 to, I think, um, 11 uh, in chapter 3. Is that all right? All right. So let's read this. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to take a few minutes and do some work. So starting at verse number 11 in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you at that time separated from Christ, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. The hostility. Let's move over to chapter 3, starting at verse number 7. Of this gospel, Paul says, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach Lord, this is the word of God, amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, got a few minutes, but Lord, this is not about making much of me, this is about making much of you. You've given me one message and it's the message of the gospel. Father, help me to proclaim it faithfully in such a way that above all things, God, we Leave this place making much of you. You are the center of all things. So God, I am absolutely dependent upon the help of your spirit to handle your word faithfully so that I might serve my brothers and sisters in Christ in a manner that pleases you so that we may live for your glory. In the name of your son, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. So to be perfectly honest with you, when, when Pastor Brad um, contacted me this morning, I had no idea exactly what I would share with you. And um, I believe that we, we, we minister and we preach out of who we are and where we are. I believe that. And 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 so I must confess to you at the very beginning that that, that my heart is 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 heavy and at the same time I'm hopeful. And and, and I'm 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 my, my heart is heavy because because anytime I see division in the body of Christ, man, it grieves my spirit because I believe that there is one God and one faith and one baptism and one Lord of all and one spirit who dwells in us all. So I'm grieved when I don't see unity, but at the same time, I'm hopeful because my God is a big God. And there's not a man, and there's not an agenda, and there's not a lie, there's not a stream of deception that can stop him. (laughs) There's no no scheme that's bigger than him. There's nobody stronger than him. There's nobody that's able to overtake what he has purpose in eternity past to do. See, I serve a God who is not figuring it out as he goes. I serve a God who is so wise and who is so awesome that even when folks do stuff, he knew that he would do it. And when even when people do evil stuff and bad things happen, God in his wisdom and in his mercy and all of those things, he, in a way that we cannot see or comprehend or understand, even causes the, the sick and the vile and the sinful to ultimately work out for our good and his glory. He's that awesome. And so here at this time, I think it's important that we 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 not run away from the tension that exists in the church, because if we're honest, all you got to do is scroll a Facebook wall and you see that there is great tension within within the body. And I believe there is a remedy for it. And I believe that the remedy is the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so I don't have time to totally unpack the passages of Scripture that I read to you, but I do want to encourage you. I do want to serve you tonight, and I do want to highlight some things. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, the, the, the book of Ephesians is all about the person and the work of Christ and who we are as a result of the person and the work of Christ. And what Paul establishes in Ephesians chapter 2, one of the things that he establishes is that God in Christ has created a new humanity. And we don't really understand everything that that means, that God, in him, that, that God in Christ has created in himself one new man. See, our issue is that when we hear the word new, we think like, oh, like a new car. Like, I just got a new watch or I just got a new pair of kicks. No, 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 no. This word new does not mean like I just upgraded from a 2012 to a 2017, This word new means something that is literally unprecedented, something that has never existed before. And so God in Christ has created a new humanity. Now, here is the thing. This identity in Christ, this new humanity literally transcends everything, transcends political party. Transcends whether or not you are conservative or a liberal. Transcends whether or not your family was born here or you just got off a plane or a boat like five minutes ago. Transcends everything. And see, our problem is we see that and we amen it, but we have trouble walking it out. I wanna help us learn how to, how to walk it out tonight. Is that all right? See, we don't sometimes understand the depth of the division that existed between Jew and Gentile. It was deep. The Jewish people had been under the thumb of one Gentile or non Jewish nation for centuries. It started when they were being oppressed by the Moabites, and then it went from the Moabites to the Philistines. It went from the Philistines to Assyria. It went from Assyrians to the Babylonians. It went from the Babylonians to the Persians. It went from the Persians to the Romans. And there was this tension that existed within the Jewish community that one day the Messiah would show up, and he would finally set them free from the oppression of Gentile heathen rule and so when Jesus shows up they're excited and when he made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem they were like this is it this is it man this is the deal right now he's gonna show up and he's gonna finally set us free from Roman oppression and Roman rule he is finally gonna crush the head of Caesar those Greeks and these Romans they going to know what's up. Just wait. You just wait. But he didn't do that. He didn't go to Jerusalem to conquer by force. Instead, he made his way to Jerusalem to be humiliated and crucified. And it left them bewildered. They didn't really understand what was going on. I got to move. And so what he was doing was what he had hinted all throughout the Old Testament. See, they weren't really paying attention when God saved a prostitute named Rahab. They weren't really paying attention when God brought Ruth into the family line. They weren't really paying attention when all of these non-Jewish people were brought into the covenant, they were precursors of the great redemptive work of God that he would do. And here is the great redemptive work of God that blew everybody's mind. Guess what? The gospel is for Gentiles too. And if you don't think that made some Jewish people mad, then you, got, you, just, you just ain't familiar enough with history. They were like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. We thought you were going to kill them. We thought you were for us. Not them, not them. We thought you were for us, Jewish Jesus. We thought the Gentiles are going down, Lord. We've been waiting for this for centuries. I want some payback. We want to take Israel back, Lord. We just, we just, we want it to be ours again. <laughs> he didn't do that. What he did was he showed ultimately that the gospel is for everyone. Every tribe, every language, every nation, every ethnicity, every people group. Y'all with me? See, what we don't understand and what we don't appreciate, diversity is beautiful, but diversity is not easy. Because all of us like to think better of ourselves than what we really are. And it's one thing to come to church together and sit in the same room and sing some worship songs, but it's another thing to do life with one another. See, that cost us something. See, it costs us something to really do life together. It costs me something when I find out my boy is a Democrat and I've been a card-carrying Republican my whole life. It, it costs me something when I find out my sister sees a war overseas different than I see the war. Talk to me, talk to me. See, I have to determine whether or not I'm gonna cut them off or, 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 or subtweet them or send shady little messages and put it on my Facebook wall. See, I've got to determine when, when I found out that they didn't vote for the same guy I voted for, that I'm still gonna entreat them and love them and do life with them. Can I just tell you, it's so much easier to run. And it's probably even easier to fake it Jesus didn't come to save a fake people. He came to bring unto himself the community of the redeemed. And it's beautiful. John said, when I saw it, it was thousands upon thousands, myriads of people around the throne of God giving glory to the Lamb, man. And it was everybody. It was everybody. And if that's what John saw up there, and I think we should be living it down here. And so in a month where we're talking about black history, that's not to exclude any other culture, but I'm telling you, we've gotta learn how to wrestle with history, y'all. And one of the things that I love about scripture is that scripture never shies away from wrestling with the harsh reality of history. You notice how the Bible tells on everybody? The Bible didn't try to cover Noah up and make Noah look good. Noah got hammered and got naked in his tent. Okay? David got complacent in victory, slept with a woman that was not his wife and had her husband killed. Moses killed a man and missed out on the promised land because he got angry. See, the Bible was not written to make much of us. Scripture was given to us to make much of God. And see, as long as we understand that it's all about making much of God, we don't care if we've gotta take some hits. Here's what I'm saying. If you have to think less of me in order to make much of him, then it's okay, you can think less of me. Can, can Can I press a little bit more? If we had to think less of America to make much of God, I make that trade every day. Can I just can I just you're my brothers and my sisters in the faith and we're family. So can I just talk plainly with you? Our faith is not of this world and if our faith is not of this world, it's also not of this country. We are a kingdom transcends borders transcends class. And one of the reasons that we could wrestle with the harsh realities of history is because we as believers can look at it through a redemptive lens. See, I can wrestle with the harshest realities of history. I don't have to dismiss it. I don't have to put the book down. I don't have to say, oh, you guys are just holding on to Pasta. No, 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 no. I can wrestle with the harshest realities of history because I know that there is a redeemer. There's a redeemer, and we can't afford to neglect honest historical narrative because it is bound to God's great, grand, redemptive narrative. And if our historical perspectives are skewed and or incomplete, it will show in the way we articulate the gospel, the way we practice church polity, and the way we live in community. Let me ask you something tonight, saints. Do we want to win arguments more than we want to win our brothers and sisters? And one of the things, let me tell you, man, living multi-ethnically is something that's near and dear to my heart. I live it, I've lived it for years because I believe if a pastor wants to be, wants to have a multi-ethnic church, but he doesn't live a multi-ethnic life, then he makes a mockery of the gospel. And so we've gotta learn the fact that, that, that there's stuff we don't know. And so in some ways, y'all, we are culturally illiterate because we are more comfortable living within our own worlds. Have you noticed that you like being around people that are like you? Have you noticed the difficulty that comes with being around people that are not like you? It's more comfortable for us, right? I got to keep moving. And so one of the things that we've got to learn how to do is we've got to learn how to cross over into the narratives of other cultures. And I'm just going to say this plainly. Black history has been grossly oversimplified. Like, here's what people learn typically about the journey of of black people in America. Slavery, civil rights, President Obama. We're good. (laughs) What are you guys so upset about? That dude was in the White House for eight years, man. Boom. Problems just vanished. Everything gone grossly oversimplified and what I want to encourage all of us to do, listen to me very closely, we need to learn how to talk to one another, we need to learn how to read diversely, and we need to learn how to listen. Don't disengage from one another when you come to a place of disagreement because if you're doing community together and you're doing it right, there will be disagreement. God bless me with a beautiful awesome, gifted, and talented, supportive, virtuous Creole woman from Louisiana by way of Houston, Texas. Her name is Carolyn, and I've been with Carolyn almost half my life. We're getting to that point to where I would have been with my wife more time on earth than I've actually been alive. You know, or over half my life, you know what I'm saying? At one point we're gonna get there. So, so Even in our relationship, there is some friction, amen? My wife likes to tell a story about how we moved in after the wedding and and she didn't know how OCD I was. And so I keep books on my nightstand. It's one of those things that was a tradition all the way back when I was a young man. And, And she came and she looked at some of the books on my nightstand and she noticed how after she looked at my books, she didn't stack them up the way I wanted them to be stacked back up. Like they weren't lined up right. How many of you weirdos like that like me? Anybody else out there like me like that? And so she was messing around with my books, man, and so I just kind of came back over. and was like, <laughs> that's nice, You're, you like that. Don't, don't, don't mess my books up. And she said she knew then, oh Lord, what did I do? My wife likes to say she married Gizmo and woke up with Stripe. It was a rough season. But, but we worked through it, so there's friction in relationship. Now here is the deal, y'all. Unity is not uniformity. Are you listening to me? Unity is not uniformity. So unity is not this. We all have to be alike. That's not unity. That's actually kind of boring. Because if everybody was like me, that'd be scary. And for those of you who don't think so, it's just because you don't know me that well. Unity is not uniformity. And the person in the work of Jesus Christ transcends ethnicity, gender, and class, but it does not negate them. You, you tracking with me? The, the person in the work of Christ overarching transcends all of our difference, but it doesn't eliminate the differences. And what we do, even subconsciously, is we try to make everybody like us instead of appreciating the diversity that's in the body. I know this is probably not the easiest thing to listen to. And so that's why a colorblind perspective is naive and even harmful. I run into people like, I don't even see color. I'm like, what are you, blind? That guy says, why does all get out? I mean, he's like Casper, the friendly ghost, man. I like, dude, look, they've spent too much time out in the sun. He just spontaneously combusts. Like, dude, they never had a tan. Come on, don't act like you don't see color. That dude is so black, I'm telling you. He's a little blue. <laughs> like I see some purple undertone there. Brother's dark. So let's not let's not act like we don't see skin. We don't see skin color. Amen. See it, predis- it, it it presupposes that we can be culturally neutral, and to be culturally neutral is impossible. It's impossible to be culturally neutral. And so in colorblind environments, there will be a culture that dominates these types of environments. Anybody who says we have a colorblind, no, no, no. There is a culture that dominates. <laughs> I'm glad Brad is my friend. <laughs> See, in these types of colorblind environments create what I like to call, can I just sound nerdy just for a bit? I'm a big nerd, let me just sound nerdy just for a bit. They, they create what I like to call ecclesiological plantations. And this is where minority cultures have to be submissive to the majority culture. We may be in the same room together, but there is one culture that is controlling, and there are other cultures, every other culture has to submit. It also creates something called theological imperialism, and basically what that means is that, that, that if we try to do this colorblind, culturally neutral thing, there will be this outlook that says only, only one type of, of people can have orthodox theology. Y- y'all still with me? Like, if you're not like us, then you're not orthodox, It's, 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 it's one of those stigmas, and, and can I just honestly say that's why a lot of us don't know names like E.K. Bailey or Elder D.J. Ward or a man by the name of H.B. Charles Jr., Anya Buile, Anthony Carter. We don't know names like this because typically in a lot of cultures, these black preachers are seen as inferior simply because they're not of European descent. We don't know their names, but they're out there and they're orthodox and they preach the gospel faithfully and they're strong men of God. And I hadn't even named Asian brothers like Su Chung Ra. our Latino brothers that are out there just, just preaching the gospel faithfully and strongly. I gotta move on. It creates also something called this, well, I like to call a soft paternalism where it's like you guys can be a part of our church, but you know, it's almost like you do know I don't belong to you, right? And, 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 and it creates an environment where genuine prophetic lament is seen as disruptive and divisive. In other words, when we have brothers or sisters who have real issues, instead of going to that brother or sister and seeking to find out what's happening, we go, why are you just not getting with the program? Man, y'all always have something. Why y'all always upset? what, what, what y'all worried about? God is sovereign. He's on the throne. Let me tell you something. Let me help you out right now. When people are having genuine concerns, one of the worst things you could do is do the God on the throne thing. Because if something tragic happens to me, I wish somebody would walk up to me talking about God is on the throne. You know what's about to be on the throne? A case, that's what's about to be because I'm about to catch one. So listen to me, saints. Embracing ethnic diversity within the framework of the unity of the spirit is a difficult endeavor, but it's a worthy endeavor because it's God's endeavor. Let me wrap up with this thought. Paul says in Ephesians 3 that the plan of God that was hidden had now been revealed. If you look in your Bibles, you'll see what that plan is. The plan that was hidden that God had established in eternity past was that the Gentiles would be saved, that different ethnicities would do genuine life together. And when your Bibles use manifold wisdom of God, That word manifold means multifaceted. You know what it's like? It's a word that's like the coat that Jacob gave to Joseph. It was the coat of many. Fellowship is difficult, y'all. It's not easy. And I know this may seem a little unorthodox for some of you. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna challenge you. Before you write somebody off, learn their narrative. Learn their story. Learn the struggle of their people. I don't care if you're of African descent, European, native, Asian, it doesn't matter, South American, Central America, Australian, European, don't matter. Don't allow lines that divide this world to divide us who are in Christ some of us have some repenting to do let me take that all of us do because we talk the unity game real big when it's when we're in this building and when we're in settings like this. But when we get home and we're having conversations around our dinner table or when we're around people just like us, man, we start saying stuff. And I don't know a lot of stuff, y'all. But there are a couple of things that God has graced me to begin to wrap my mind around. And here is one of them that when God sent his son to give his life on the cross he was carrying out something that God had decreed before time began. And it was to bring unto himself a people from every tribe and every language and every nation and every tongue And it was not for us simply to wait until we get to the sweet by and by to walk out the reality of unity in the spirit. But it was to show the manifold wisdom of God here on earth so that people would see us doing life together and and even in the midst of our differences and they would go, how are these people doing life together? How are these people living together? Why are they in one another's houses and why are they sharing meals around one another's tables and why is that one seeing politics this way and the other sees politics that way and yet they are friends and they don't insult each other and they pray for each other and they labor together and they strive together in the gospel. My God is not a Republican. My God is not a Democrat. My God is not a liberal. He is not a conservative. He is the God of the nations. He is not American. He is not European. He's God. He created everything. He spoke it all to existence. And everything exists for His glory. And everything is to be centered around Him and reflect who He is. His grace and His mercy and His light and His love and His truth. My prayer tonight is for the unity of the body, and if you would just stand with me. I'm gonna ask that you do a couple of things, if that's okay, just two things. Number one, I have got some repenting to do. Man, I've gotta confess to you. I'm not as good as living out what I've preached to you, as I'd like to be. I wish I was, man. I wish I was, but I'm not. So sometimes old thought processes towards certain people groups and things, man, creeps into my mind and I gotta catch myself. So can we just repent together? Some of us, there is distrust in your heart right now that's generational. And the church was never meant to be driven by the fear of our fellow man because every human being is created in the image of God. Gay people are created in the image of God. Lesbians are created in the image of God. Transgender folks created in the image of God. Arabs are created in the image of God. Terrorists are created in the image of God. And we need to be very careful about what we harbor in our hearts toward other image bearers. That's all I'm saying. And and this talking to you is not just a pastor but a United States Marine whose boots have been dirtied by the sands of foreign soil as I help to fight on behalf of this nation second thing we could do quickly is can we just pray for the unity of the body can we do that so as I pray brothers and sisters would you please join me in prayer thank you for being a second home transformation church. You guys don't know, man, but this, a lot of you don't even know but how this church has loved on me and my family personally. Let's pray, Father, we need your mercy. We need your mercy. And we need your grace because we grossly missed the mark. (laughs) And Father, we ask that you have mercy upon us. Help us to confess our sin to you, God. Each and every one of us have prejudices within our hearts, Father, that run not just along ethnic lines, but we have prejudice in our hearts based on class and education and what part of town we live in and how we grew up, even what stinking teams we root for, God. Oh, our hearts are full of prejudice, some that we don't even know. And so, Father, we pray for your mercy. And we lay these things before you, Father, and as your people, we ask for your help to live in a way that glorifies you. Lord, oh, that your people would be a prophetic voice in this land that bears allegiance to Christ and Christ alone. Oh, that we would be a people who dwell in this land who are seen as peculiar because we don't fit in anybody's box. We don't fit in anybody's categories and sociologists and political pundits and talking heads. They can't figure us out. God, that we would be a people who live for you. Help us to be a people that are a voice to the voiceless. Help us to be a people who defend the defenseless. Help us to be a people who give sanctuary to the marginalized. Help us to be a people God of heaven and earth. think much of us, but oh God, oh Father.